Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome in to Locked on Kings. I'm your host, Jason Ross, as the Kings get ready to take on the Phoenix Suns to start a three-game road trip. Kings finally broke that losing streak the other night with that home win against Orlando. Now it's the Suns on the road, a couple days off, and then they finish up this weekend road trip on Saturday and Sunday in OKC and San Antonio, all while the NCAA tournament is uh, featured at Golden One Center. Coming up today on the podcast, we're going to check in with Sean Cunningham, someone I've worked with for a long, long time. Of course, he's at ABC 10. He's uh, used to work with him. I did at Sports 1140. We've worked together with the Kings, but a reporter and producer, and he's covered the NBA for a long, long time. We're going to check in with him in just a moment, but want to tell you, as we do every day, how to find us on Locked on Kings, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and iTunes. Please leave us ratings and reviews on Stitcher, or excuse me, on well, both, really, on Stitcher you can, Audio Boom you can, but on iTunes as well. That helps us move up the ratings there. Thank you for all the feedback we've been getting, and continue to send me your questions for the weekly mailbag, jason.ross at cbsradio.com. You can send me questions there and comments and questions and feedback on Twitter at jasonross1140. All right, let's talk more about the Sacramento Kings specifically with ABC 10's reporter slash producer. He worked with me at Sports 1140. He's also worked with, me, worked with me with the Sacramento Kings. Kings reporter, you see him everywhere. That is the one, the only Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm great, Jason. March Madness is upon us, and uh, Kings are still playing basketball. And, and I, I would argue meaningful basketball at that. Well, we'll get we'll get into that, but when you say March Madness, <laughs> that just means you're probably in 10 pools and you picked Duke in all of them, didn't you? I've always got to pick with the heart, but then I've also got to do one with my head, and what the hell does my head know? So, yeah, I go with the heart all the time. So I'm, I'm giving you all the probing Duke questions. Is Grayson Allen a dirty player? No. No, I do not believe he's a dirty player. But do you think Draymond Green is a dirty player? Who's doing the question asking here, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I say no. I think he gets – I really think because he has one of those faces that looks like, you know, he's griping at everything and all pissed <laughs> off all the time. No, I, I really don't. I mean, it's easy to hate the guy. Um, he looks a lot like Lindsey Whalen to me from the WNBA. <laughs> wow, strange poll. <laughs> yeah. But do you think he'll be a good pro, honestly, Grayson Allen? Or just like a role no. player? Yeah, role player maybe. I mean, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to adjust a lot, I think. But he's got the athleticism. He can shoot. He can. I mean, he's, there's a lot of things he can do. He's quick. But I think the size is gonna be a problem. I think, of course, the just the speed at the next level is gonna be a lot for him to handle. Whereas, like a guy like you know Jason Tatum is gonna probably adapt to a, like a fish to water in, in the NBA. Yeah, and I know uh, Kings fans will obviously get a little intrigued by the tournament, obviously, because with best case scenario, they could have a couple of picks. Uh, in that top 10 maybe and and kind of uh, speaking of that we were just talking about you know college basketball you, you're going to be in brackets I'm in brackets so what do you love more though like gambling let me put a, a good sporting <laughs> event 
or you you lead the league in going to concerts. Like if you could do any of those, what are you doing? If you have availability to go to a concert, go gamble, or go right. uh, go to a sporting event. You know that's easy for me because I'm lucky enough to be able to go to so many different concerts and I or excuse me support a sporting events. In the past year, I will have had NBA Finals, Super Bowl. Uh, that was all last year. Super Bowl, NBA Finals, uh, World Series. I mean, that was incredible. Pierre got Pierre, my co coworker here uh, at ABC10, who also worked with both of us at KHTK. Um, he came in in 2016, and in 2016. He goes to all these events. I'm like, don't get used to this, man. This is this is really rare uh, for this area to have so many so many great events, and 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 he's totally soaking it in. But for me, it's concerts because, you know, I get to go to all the sporting events. I don't. I still get butterflies going to events. I love it. Um, but concerts, there's just something different. Plus, there's the female dynamic, and I get to go as a fan. Hello. It's not like I have to sit there all buttoned up. You know, I've got to. Yeah, I'm buttoned up. I don't show any emotion at a sporting event. It's hard not to at times, but. Um, certainly at, at, at the at the concerts, I let it all flow. I mean, I, my my emotions come out, and there's nothing <laughs> like live music. So uh, yeah, to to experience a concert with me, or to watch even a Duke basketball game, or even a Giants game with me, that's really how you get to know Sean Cunningham. Yeah, so is that is that when you? Uh, I mean, when was the last time you really went? I don't even know if I could say as a fan, but you just yeah, you had that experience where you're openly rooting because you're right. We're I don't know if jaded is the right term, but you're kind of there to cover the game as opposed to truly be a fan. When was the last time you were really a fan at an event? It's been a while. I would say probably the Giants. I've been able to kind of go outside of media credential the most. I'll say one time, you know, going as credentialed with, with a credentialed media member in 2010 to watch the Giants win the World Series in Texas. And I'm at the game. I'm credentialed. But we're sitting in a tunnel outside the Giants clubhouse watching on this little standard definition television as Brian Wilson strikes out the final batter. And you know the story. Buster Posey runs out there. They hug. Big man hug. And I'm watching it on this little television screen in this tunnel outside the Giants clubhouse. And I I got caught up for a moment. I didn't cheer, but I just kind of just dropped my head for a minute. And this sounds super emotional, but – like a little tear came out and Brian May, my coworker at ABC 10 at the time happened to hold, be holding the camera and he actually got the moment. And I look at him and I called him an expletive that, that you would, of course, could, I mean, I just, I just looked at him and was like, Oh, you, you know, so-and-so and I, cause he got me, but it lasted just a split second, but it's probably the greatest sports memory I ever have. And uh, you know, but it's not often when I get to go and just buy a ticket, sit in the bleachers, sit in a, in a stands and, and, and watch a game with no, you know, with no, with just all my emotions tied yeah. into the game where, you know, you're looking at it with a more critical eye or, you know, you're looking at certain plays or whatever, just from a media standpoint. But yeah, that's, to me, I think that's the one that stands out the most where I was able to kind of blend both. I was unprofessional because yes, I was credentialed media, but at the same time I was kind of overtaken by the moment. So can you confirm, there there are many reports out there that <laughs> Sean Cunningham has been out and about, entertained himself at concerts, with Brad Miller, has this happened? Have I seen pictures of this? Is this real? Is this a real thing? Yeah, this is a real thing. If you've seen uh, my Instagram, you've probably seen a big, giant, seven-foot human being standing behind me drinking a beer. Uh, Bottle Rock, yes, in Napa, which I would maintain for all the music festival goers out there is the best one, can, in, in, at least on the West Coast. Yeah, you've got outside lands in San Francisco. Yeah, you've got Coachella down south. But to me, Bottle Rock really does a nice job of blending them all together. And yeah, it's been a, Brad is gone for the past three or four years. I've been the past three years and uh, we get a good group of friends and we just kind of always, 
always uh, met up when we're down there, and there was nothing like sitting in the in the crowd watching Red Hot Chili Peppers last year. And here we are in the in the in the in the swarm of people trying to get close, and you know Brad sticks out like a sore thumb. And meanwhile, Vladi Divac, the Kings general manager, he's uh, he's sitting in the back hobnobbing it with the uh, Chili Peppers as a guest of Flea. So um, I was like, Brad, come on, use some pull, and uh, <laughs> didn't didn't work. But but he's good to he's good to put in front of you like a linebacker because sure. people get out of his way. Well, and, and what's amazing, I think about this, Sean, I've known you for years and, you know, I know you're not a columnist, so you're not doing all these opinion pieces, but if I think of all the local media and how you've been able to cover the team, cover these guys, and yet, I guess, I mean, it's fair to say have friendships. You've had relationships with Brad and you know Vlade well and Chris Webber, DeMarcus, I mean, some of the highest profile kings. How have you, have you juggled that where you, you know, if there's something bad, you got to report it. If there's something good, you can report it, but you've also... I don't know, been able to have a little bit of a relationship with some of these guys off camera too. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, a lot of that time, it, 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 I don't know how it is. I mean, I've always, people have asked me before, you know, how do you get in good with guys? And I just, you know, I think there's a repetition or, you know, people see you well enough and they kind of know what you're about. And, you know, a lot of, it's not, it's not all that uncommon for me to be standing around in the locker room after, a, you know, another King's loss. And I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about, um, anything, you know, I'm talking about current events. I'm talking about pop culture stuff, what I saw on SNL, what concert I'm looking forward to, what shoes the guys are wearing. And it kind of breaks the ice before we have to ask the, Hey, how did that 10 point lead get away? How did you blow 28 to the Spurs the other night? How did, you know, to where you have to really get into it. And yeah, maybe it's because that, you know, I work around the team so often and, and, you know, it's not just, we're showing up every, every few weeks or so when things are going really bad or there's something in the news that happens to bring other people out I really don't know I mean I don't really I mean you've known me a long time I don't really misrepresent myself I'm pretty much myself whether you're you're I see you on the street or you happen to be somebody of stature and I'm going to kind of treat everybody the same I don't I don't know I, I've never really had an issue with the guy I mean certainly you know DeMarcus and I um had had a moment or two that that he would question I mean if you if you cover the team DeMarcus is going to come at you sideways at one point sure. or another and uh the way you're able to to balance that it's like all right well yeah we, we we can disagree um but you know at the end of the day i still have a job to do and uh, and i think he respected that to a certain degree I, there's other people that make it personal and um, I, I think he's guilty of that as well I, I don't know i don't know to i don't really know how to to explain it i've just kind of been myself um you know it's it's helped to just being around these guys a lot and always going to i think one of the things i also pride myself in doing is not just showing up for a game or a practice but if someone's got a charity going on we put attention on that too whether i was at khdk or even here at abc 10 if someone's doing something good off the floor we want to highlight that because at the end of the day this is sports it doesn't really matter it's just entertainment and you know there's there's a lot there's these guys have personalities and there's a lot that goes on outside of just what's within the lines on a basketball floor how would you describe i know he was just here and i think you may have talked to him i think i saw some uh, footage from it when uh, chris was here chris weber was here yeah. recently uh you knew him pretty well he's he was one of my favorites if not all-time favorite king but always was a little bit um I don't, not difference not the right word but it's almost you know there's chris knew how to put it on he knew how to put it on in front oh, of the yeah. camera sometime but you knew him well what was uh what was the conversations like that you had over the years with, with chris Chris is weird. Chris is weird in a, in a, in a weird, I mean, he's mercurial. I mean, he's his lightning pole. He's a lightning rod for so much attention, both good and bad. He's mercurial. He, he hand, he, he, look, he, like you said, he can turn on the charisma, like, like a drop of the hat. I mean, he, all he has to do is flash that, you know, million dollar smile and, and you got him. Right. I mean, I've watched people literally melt in his hands and it's, 
uh, I've seen him at his worst too. Um, I think Chris is, Chris has always been a, uh, a victim of trying to make everybody happy. Uh, he really genuinely wants people to be happy around him. Um, my conversations with him have always been really good. I, I've always gotten along with the, with the star player, and I, I don't know why that is. <laughs> um, he, he's somebody that really, you know, he, he's somebody that really I think is interesting because that personality, that glowing personality, you see how he is. You, want, you, you really want to root for him because of everything he's been through, both at Michigan, uh, the Final Four, everything that that, that that got attention to. And then you look at the what happened in the NBA, him coming to Sacramento, not wanting to be here, and then all of a sudden really embracing it. And he's really, next to Mitch Richmond, the best Sacramento Kings player that, that, that fans have ever known. And he, he was here for – you know, six years or whatever it was. And then he experiences the biggest blow to his life, which is that injury. So I think he's an easy guy to root for. Um, he's, he's, he loves the limelight. I mean, he's so charismatic, but um, now it's funny. I, there used to be a knock on Chris Weber that he never finished anything. And he got, when I tell you he's gone all in on the broadcasting side, mm-hmm. that's, that, that is amazing. I mean, he, he has so dedicated himself to the broadcasting side. I just saw the other day, so uh, he's got his own prank show now on 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 Turner, where he's kind of using more of his personality and his celebrity to kind of bring other athletes into this this kind of candid camera type show. But he's really gone all in with so much of the day to day stuff. The broad, I think he would love to be a part of the the Kenny Charles and Shaq crew, but he really loves the play by play and in game elements. But all the while he sees himself being in a front office one day. And that's something that he is dead serious about. I have to ask every time I see him both in front of a camera and, and, you know, just off to the side, are you really going to give this a go? Because that's something we keep hearing that he, that he wants to do. And every single time he looks right in my, yes, absolutely. That's what I want to do. And actually he actually, he, uh, he, he added another one to that, which was saying, I will be a part of ownership and we will win an NBA championship one day. And and I just think that's, I think that's so interesting because no matter where he's at, if he goes into delves into a front office position, depending upon what that looks like, he's going to have to give up the broadcasting gig. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to follow up on that, Sean. With I know the initial stages of this newer ownership group when the team was you know staying here, which was first and foremost the most important thing. But when Vivette got Shaq in involved, I'm sure, and I've heard that there were some feelings hurt there that Chris Webber was not included. But now seeing him around more, we know, you know, how many of the guys from that 2002 are around, whether it's Bobby or Doug or Peja or Vlade. Why is he not here? Why has that not uh, happened yet? Well, and the funny thing is, look, when he was here um, right around, I think it was the home opener or maybe Mm -hmm. a game or two. No, I think it was the home opener against the Spurs. Um, He reminded me that he interviewed for the general manager position or for a front office type position even before Pete D'Alessandro. Hmm. Um, right around that time, he was showing interest in wanting to be part of the Sacramento Kings front office. They didn't go. They didn't. They didn't go in that direction. And then they bring Vladi Divac in to oversee everything. Um, I think he's looking at that kind of sideways and like, man, I love Vladi, but really, I mean, you know, I think he'd really want to get in there. Now, I don't know what that means. I, I and and let's not let's not mistake. I don't think it's only the Sacramento Kings he's looking at. I think sure. he's looking anywhere. Um, but certainly, I think. You know, yeah, there's a lot of these guys, former teammates that are that are getting gigs. Um, even Derek Martin up in Reno. Now, certainly, certainly, Chris doesn't have any interest in coaching, but um, he's now part of the. He's now part of that that fabric, and I think I think it'll be interesting to see if if Chris is somehow able to slip into an organization. And right now, I mean, shoot, there's no, there's really no king that's loved like Chris Weber. I mean, Vladi Divac can get get get. Everyone loves Vladi. 
but you become a GM, all of a sudden people look at you differently. And we heard Vladi booed for the first time in Arc in uh, in Golden One Center, and any time I've ever, never heard Vladi get booed before. And and on the on the in the heels of this trade with with New Orleans for Demarcus Cousins, um, hearing that the other night was a little shocking, just because it's still Vladi. Um, but Chris Weber, you know, there's there's no one loved like like Chris Weber among Kings fans. And that would really be interesting to see how something like that would play out. Me personally, just looking on the outside, I don't know how you bring Chris in without replacing Vladi or or moving Vladi elsewhere. And I'm not saying give Chris the general manager position because I think if Chris comes into the to the Kings or any organization for that matter, he's bringing a general manager with him. So maybe he comes in as an advisor or a president of basketball operations or something of that nature. Um, I think that's probably more realistic. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned Vlade, the reaction to him, and you're right. I mean, there's another guy that was as popular as anybody, but now he's in a position where there's plenty of scrutiny uh, scrutiny out there. And you know it as well as anybody, Sean, when he made that trade, it was not popular amongst the masses. Uh, I'd be curious your opinion of the deal of moving DeMarcus to New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the minority, and a lot of times I, it comes off like me um, defending DeMarcus in this. Um, I will re- I will do say this. I will respect them for making the move. Uh, I question maybe the timing of it because maybe it should have been two years ago. Maybe it should have been this past off season. Um, when people say that oh they got enough, this is the best they could do. Okay, maybe I, I don't I don't believe that. Um, just in conversations I've had throughout the league, I mean you make you agree to a deal on Saturday, you pull the trigger on Sunday. The trade deadline's on um, the upcoming Thursday. Um, I, I I do think. I think there's. I do think they did not get. I don't think they got enough for him. That's just being out there. Um, the end of the. I think the end of the year probably would have been a better um, fit to trade Demarcus to look a little harder there. You still have a year remaining on his contract, and the whole notion that you had to give him that extension, that two hundred million dollar extension. No, you didn't. You really, if you really decided in your heart of hearts not to give him the extension then don't give it to him. You still have a year with him remaining. He still has to make it work. He's in his prime. He's going to be playing for another contract. Yeah, it might get a little ugly, but, I mean, is it really going to get any uglier than what you've had already in, mm-hmm. in instances that were that were at least questionable, behavioral issues, the character matters that they talk about? I mean, I think the one thing that's really hard to swallow, even if you're a player, and the Kings have a lot of vets this year that they brought in, guys like Anthony Tolliver, um, Costa Kufis from a year ago, Garrett Temple, you know, these guys were really believing they were going to make the playoffs. Um, it was working. It was working in the sense that they were a game and a half from the eighth seed. Maybe that's failure for most teams, but for the Kings, that's what they were. That's what they were selling people on. We're going to try and make the playoffs. We're going to try and have any amount of success. Whether that's flawed, um, that's probably another discussion to be had. But cl- uh, clearly, they went in a direction. I don't think they got enough. I, I really can't stand the fact that I know it's to me. It's just Russian roulette to see these handlebars to, to see the top three protected pick for for New Orleans mm-hmm. if they're able to jump in there. I realize that's a small percentage point, but right now I believe they have a 35% chance of jumping into one, two, or three. That'd be a killer. That's scary. And to me, that's catastrophic. And I know people say it takes two years to evaluate a trade. You can evaluate it right there. If they lose that top three, if they lose that top three pick in this draft, or excuse me, this first round pick from New Orleans in this draft, failure it's an absolute catastrophic uh and you can uh, catastrophic event for the kings and and i think you can sit there right away and say that that trade was not good enough now conversely i didn't think it was going to work out for new orleans either i I said right away i don't think that's going to put them into the playoffs but 
Um, I think what else will hurt is if somehow New Orleans is able to get more for DeMarcus Cousins than what the Kings did. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a little bit of a panic move, um, and I think Kings fans will be really unhappy if they look at New Orleans and watch them flip DeMarcus for more than what they got. I think that, that could be tough. Do you Now that they've done the move, do you like any of, I don't know when I say the new pieces, but some of the guys that are getting opportunities, do you see a bright future, or is it just is it still too hard to tell? I think it's hard to tell, but one thing I think is that's right off the bat. I mean, I, I, I'm a big Buddy Heald fan. I really am. Um, to see, I mean, look, he's in his rookie year. He's played 10 games with the Kings right now. He's averaging almost 15 points a game. He's shooting above 50%. He's, he's almost 50% from beyond the arc. Um, I, look, I think you're uh, – we don't know if he's an all-star player, but certainly if that's year one with a 23-year-old player, that that's a really, really good sign. I really like what, I like what I've seen from Buddy. And, you know, more so than just what I've seen on the court, Jason, I am really impressed by him off the floor. You know, there's certain guys we've seen year in and year out. Mitch Richmond hated to lose. Uh, Ron Artest hated to lose. DeMarcus, in a different way, hated to lose. And you always hear high school coaches say, you've got to hate to lose more than you like to win. <laughs> Buddy Heald is one of those guys. I, 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 it's just been – it struck me recently, and I know guys show emotions differently, but Buddy a lot of times will be in the locker room when we come in. He'll sit there looking at a box score or just looking at his phone or much like DeMarcus would, hasn't dressed yet, hasn't showered yet. He takes forever. And he's really trying to process. And I've asked some people around, I said, Buddy hates to lose. Finally, I asked him about it last night. And he, I said, was, was last night's win against Orlando uh, to break an eight-game losing streak, was, did that feel like some pressure off your shoulders? And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, no, because I can't stand losing. Hmm. And, and then he went on to explain it and talking about, I, I hate losing attitudes. I hate losing mentalities. I don't ever want to get used to losing because I won't, it's a bad habit and that, I will never, that I'll never accept. And it's it's interesting to hear him say those words. It's another thing to see a way a guy carries himself after losses. And it, it, in ten games, I've already been able to just identify that right away and 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 see the way other guys look. They come from successful programs. Usually, if you're a, a top-notch college player, even as a freshman, you've got a taste of March Madness. You've got a taste of the tournament. That means you've got to be a pretty damn good basketball team. You've been the best player on your on your high school teams, AAU, whatever it has to be. And you come to the NBA, and all of a sudden you're experiencing a ton of losing all of a sudden. He had it in New Orleans for the first half of the season. Now he's got here in Sacramento through 10 games. They've only won twice. Um, yeah, it's eating at him. He, he can't stand it. I, I, I'm really I'll, – I'll be interested to see where we are two years from now to see how – because I think they're going to be going through a lot of losing in the next two years. I do think the future is bright. I, I don't like the fact that their, their first-round picks and their draft and all that is tied up and mortgaged already. But, yes, you have a ton of cap room. You've got a wealth of young players. I think this will be a fun ride to see what happens because whether you like the trade or not, you've officially hit the reset button, and now, now, you've, got to, now you've got to grow some players. You've got players that need to mature, and it, that's a, that can be a fun process, but it's going to take a lot of losing. Yeah, so there's player development obviously is one part of the existing guys. We know they'll have at least one draft pick, could have two, could have a few more. Who knows how that all goes. The other element to get better, though, uh, besides trading, is free agency. And you've gotten to know quite a few agents over the years. So the current status of the Kings, they don't have a star. they got a lot of young players, and they are going to be a losing team. And, you know, some people threw out kind of the negativity of Vlade saying he wasn't going to trade DeMarcus, then he trades DeMarcus. How difficult yeah. will it be in your mind to land a – well, 
we don't need to say a top level free agent, just free agents based on the situation the Kings are going to be in. Yeah, I mean, players are a tight-knit group. The union is really tight-knit, and when you hear – I mean, look, Sacramento's already a hard enough place to bring, and it has nothing to do with Sacramento as being a small market or anything like that because you're close enough to other cities. It has to deal with the fact that you're in California and you're not in L.A. or the Bay. I mean, it's one thing to come to Sacramento and pay these taxes in, in California in L.A. or Bay Area. That's one thing. But to come to Sacramento to do it, it's a hard sell on a lot of guys. That's why guys don't like playing in California as it is unless it's L.A., um, there's other opportunities that exist. So you already had that going against you. Then you have someone like the front office that, you know, yeah, they've taken their hits and, and the ownership has taken their hits. And, you know, the Kings have been a punchline for the better part of that, really the better part of a decade, but especially in the past few years, um, it's, it is definitely going to take a f- effect. I expect it to, I've heard a ton of people say, I don't want to put, I don't want to put my client there. I don't want to put my client there, especially when it comes to the draft. Vladi Divac in his inexperience showed on the record came out and said, I don't want to draft anyone that doesn't work out for me. Um, and that's been alarming. You don't, even if you believe that, why, why show your hand that way? So now agents are like, and we saw it play out in, in, in draft workouts this plat this past year and say what you will about draft workouts. It's really about getting to know a guy. It's really about getting to know what they're all about, who's around them, their inner circle, uh, agencies, all that stuff. Um, and he, he, the best he could bring in in the last in the last crop draft crop was was Wade Baldwin to Sacramento. Now, granted, they have the combine, the European combine. You've got uh, guys like um, Porzingis last uh, two years ago who will hold a huge uh, draft pro day in Vegas, and which all these teams can attend. Um, but a lot of times they're individual workouts. Now, all that being said, you also have a lot of guys that are going to see what happened to DeMarcus and say that, hey, we – I mean, how do you take a guy at their word? I asked several players in there um, in the Kings right just this past year after the trade, and, you know, a lot of them was like, well, I had one guy tell me, he says, you know, I never trust a word of a, of a general manager ever. It doesn't matter if they're a former player or not. They're always going to look out for themselves first. So how do you, you know, you, there's nothing you can really control. And that's spoken like a true veteran. I have another guy who I talked to who's, who's, you know, he's a younger player. And he's like, no, that really freaks me out about how this league works. So um, it is interesting. I, I, I know, look, <laughs> you can, it's not hard to go back and look at guys that have signed uh, with the Sacramento Kings, both free agency and trades. And usually you start to see similar patterns in who, who a lot of the agencies are, um, who a lot of the names are, um, without giving them away. I think it's not that hard to, to, to really do. But um, there's a reason some GMs will, will work with other guys a little bit better than someone that they don't have a prior relationship with. And when you, in this era where now you've got a, uh, a, an organization run by the likes of Jay-Z, another one that's really run by LeBron James' people, um, it, 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 it's very much – uh, an incestuous kind of feeling across the league. So yeah, these all everyone's going to be looking out for one another. I, I asked Vlade the day of the trade, are you worried about what the perception from other players and and agents across the league uh, for what happened uh, when you said you weren't going to trade Demarcus and then you do? Um, and he said, well, you'd have to ask them that. Yeah. And he offered no comment. So he's not. It doesn't seem like he's that concerned about it. I would say that's alarming because Vlade is a former player. So to me, that makes me go gosh, why would you be so up front and say you're not going to do something and then do it? Um, there's a, Look, Jeff Petrie used to be the guy that we all talked about. He probably works for the CIA because he, <laughs> he never showed his hand. Right. Um, but, but at the same time, I don't think you necessarily need to go completely one way or the other. How about just say, no, we like our team. I mean, how about, you know, put some shine on a guy and, and just kind of – Yeah, then no one open-ended. holds you to it. 
Right. I mean, yeah. he's definitively saying he, he's gone completely the opposite, and it's just like, no, uh, he's family. We're not trading him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even on social media, where Demarcus tweets out blah blah blah, and then Vladi quote tweets it and retweet and says. Yeah, something like, oh, yeah, we're committed to you, DeMarcus family, hashtag family. Hmm. Well, hashtag family didn't last very long. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm just thinking, I know they're not coming here, but uh, the Kings go there, that game on the 31st. And, it, you know, you said it, you know, DeMarcus, he, he gets very emotional. And I, I just feel like that game, he wants to score 100. Whether, you know, I don't know how it's going to go, but I just feel like right. DeMarcus, really, especially back here, I'm sure he'd love to put on a show whenever that game happens next year. But don't you think DeMarcus is going to want to take it out on the Kings? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, who wouldn't? And and the funny thing is, I mean, I think, you know, if that if that club if that if that roster is anything like it would be in Sacramento, uh, all the all his teammates are going to be wanting him to get all the shine that game and and go out and score and have like a career night. Um, I, I absolutely think that would be the be the case. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, what do you know about uh, Bogdanovich? You expect him coming here next year? I do. Um, so the I mean the 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 report you see out there, of course, about the the buyout and everything. Um, that's kind of old news the way I understand it. I mean, the Kings would, you know, any NBA team gets 600,000 or whatever to, for a tour to buy out, he'll have to eat the rest. But then he comes in here, you own his draft rights. He's not a, he's not under a rookie scale. So he's coming in here like a real free agent. Um, so you really, you have to come to you to an agreement on, on terms and good for the Kings. They got a lot of money to, to spend. So, um, he comes over probably making eight or 9 million a year. That sounds like a lot for a guy that you don't know if he can play. Um, I, I haven't seen a ton of him just from FIBA, just from seeing stuff, um, online. I streamed a lot during Olympics and FIBA stuff. Um, I've, I've asked a lot of questions to people. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot known, but I've seen his brother. I like his brother's yeah. boy on a lot. Uh, I, I really like what I've seen from him. I I've heard he's better. Um, but no, I don't know that much about him. I've, I've liked what I've seen. Um, clearly I think he would, he would give this team kind of a, an interesting dynamic and, and um, obviously he can shoot and he can score. Um, he's got a little bit of a handle from what I understand. So um, I don't know about what he looks like defensively. It's hard to tell, in, especially in the European game, because it, it, even though it's physical, they do a lot of stuff that they don't do in, in, in the NBA. Um, I think there might be a little bit of a learning curve, but certainly, but um, I'm excited to see what the guy can do for sure. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't, I think anyone who thinks that he'll be over here and playing in summer league or anything like that, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think he gets an NBA camp and, and then they go to it. But whatever he has to eat on the buyout, they'll make up for in his contract. And um, I, I know they're they're look, they're going about his business as usual, and he has to show that in his current situation that he's all in. Um, if it costs him another year, I think that's going to be a hard pill to swallow. But uh, I don't think that I don't think that'll be the case. Every indication I've heard from the team and from the and from agents from his agency side is that they're all in that that they envision him as a king and. And him playing in the NBA is like, I mean, when people say they have a dream um, playing in the NBA, you go, okay, yeah. But this guy, from what I understand, is like all in for the NBA. So um, he's got his bags packed and just ready for the uh, the tournament really to end for them. Well, Sean, this was fun. We could have, I know, you know, we always drive down to go to the Kings and Warriors games or sometimes some playoff games doing coverage down there. And we, we should probably just do a podcast from our car conversations because we are all over the board on <laughs> SNL to concerts to music to media to sports. Maybe we'll do that one time on one of these things. 
Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. We'll just call it like the, the pop culture edition, right? Yeah. Well, we'll get, we, maybe it's on the way to Bottle Rock. I don't know if I can handle the, you know, the, con- the concerts with you and Brad, but I could just ride there and listen to that conversation, record it, chime in a little bit, and then uh, bring it back, and I'll be ready to roll. A three-day music festival does take it out of you, but at least I would say go go check out one day. If you can get if you can survive one day, I think I think you'll do fine. It's it's a blast. It's all in the sun, right? Isn't Brad like your sunscreen then? Yeah, he 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 provides some shade, uh, especially when he when he wears a big brimmed hat. Um, <laughs> that's always a, that's always a plus. But no, nah, there's places you, you go out and you'll find picnic tables and trees, and it's a it's a it's a very very hippie lifestyle out there at the but the hip at the uh music festivals it's all good that's awesome well sean always great catching up with you and uh, we'll have to do this again i look forward to it jay thank you well my thanks to sean cunningham check out all the work he does and pierre all those guys at uh, abc 10 they do excellent work they got their sunday toyota sports extra show and the sean is everywhere i mean he really is and covers high school major league baseball nfl kings everything in the community and i've known him for a long time but it's good to catch up with him and insights on c web and demarcus and Vlade and just his years of covering this team and, and what it might look like uh in the near future for the sacramento kings again follow us on itunes audio boom and stitcher uh, everybody know we're out there each day monday through friday and we're back again tomorrow for another edition where we'll recap the kings and the suns we'll do that all coming up tomorrow on locked on kings You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.